All right. I want you to notice what it says in verse 5 of Acts chapter 6. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And what we just saw there are basically the selection or the ordination of the first deacons in the early church. And what we're going to talk about today is the doctrine of laying on of hands. And this is a doctrine that might not sound exciting, but this is actually really important. And in our culture, this concept that we are going to talk about that is foundational is something that our American culture, we don't talk about this, we don't care about it. And part of that is because a part of our American culture, we are very rebellious. We have an authority problem in our country and people are very down on a proper authority but this is something that we ought to take very seriously and in acts chapter 6 we started this series a while back and talked about therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of christ we covered that first and then it went on and talked about the doctrine of uh, baptism or the foundation of repentance from dead works we talked about that the doctrine of baptisms which we talked about last week and then it says and of laying on of hands So what is he talking about here in Hebrews when he talks about this laying on of hands? This is a foundational doctrine. And I believe it's very important that we get a hold of this. Now, sometimes we see in the Bible they're laying hands on people. It's not a good thing where, you know, they would lay hands on them and they throw them into prison. But understand, too, even when they would say that, where they would lay hands on them and throw them into prison, it was showing that they were kind of in trouble with the authority. It was like the authorities took them and put them under their control and lock them up in prison. That you, you don't want that kind of laying on of hands. That's not what we're talking about today, and that's not what they did in Acts chapter 6. It's completely different. But the laying on of hands is something that goes back to Genesis. In fact, in Genesis 48, in verse 13, it says, And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near unto him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. Now, what was Jacob doing when he was blessing his sons? Now, he had blessed all of his sons, but he also here is blessing his grandsons, Joseph's children, who Jacob was claiming for himself, and Jacob put Ephraim before Manasseh. He had, and Jacob was able to do that because Jacob is the patriarch in this family. He is the leader of this new nation of Israel that at the time is in captivity. And Jacob chose to, because, uh, to leave Judah in charge. So one of the things that Jacob was doing when he's doing this blessing, you could say, is he's passing on certain authority to his sons. And that was kind of the method that they would do. It was a, it was a transfer or a giving of authority. And authority is very, is a very important thing that our culture cares very little about. And where authority comes from, it comes from, it matters. Even in, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 9 says, And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him, as did uh, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. So Moses, he was in charge of leading 
the people of Israel out of Egypt. And Moses was not able to take them into the promised land because he had smote that rock. And so uh, God chose Joshua to do that. Or Moses died before. But Moses, when it came time for him to pass off the scene and for Joshua to be in charge, Moses publicly laid hands on Joshua. That way all these people before who knew, hey, you all used to follow me. You're not following me anymore. Now, follow Joshua. He has my authority. And then the people all knew, all right, Joshua, he's the guy in charge now that we're supposed to follow. A couple years ago, my wife and I, we were in uh, Philadelphia. We went to Independence Hall and we went into one of the rooms where uh, they did the inauguration of John Adams. And that was a really big deal in our nation's history because they were used to kings and in our history. And so now you had George Washington who had you know, been elected, I believe, two terms, but he had decided not to run for another term. And he easily, they said he easily could have won another term, but you know, he chose not to. And so whenever it came time for a new president that the people had elected, everybody wanted to see, you know, is this actually going to happen? And it was a really big deal whenever John Adams was inaugurated. They couldn't see it on TV, but there was a big crowd waiting outside waiting to see what would happen. And as after John Adams did his inauguration, they said they both started walking out and they kind of did one of these things according to history where they were kind of letting the other one go first. And then George Washington was like, no, you go first, you're in charge now. And John Adams stepped out and the people, they were thrilled. They were thrilled because that showed them that, hey, we do have a constitution. We do, we're not under kings anymore. We just had a peaceful transfer of authority and it was a it was a really big deal and it meant a lot to people and i and it's important that we as a as a people as a nation in a church in a home it's important that we all know who the authorities are and that the authorities are respected that authorities stay in their place i mean all of these things are very important and we have a lot of confusion in our country today when it comes to authority we have uh, we have a lot of many times local leaders who will violate constitute the constitution we have a governor that likes to violate the constitution we have uh, people in congress and even presidents that go against the constitution and there's always this fight over well who's really in charge what's right and it causes a lot of confusion you know you have people a lot of people in our country they think our country is a democracy when in reality we have our country is a republic and a lot of people don't know what the difference is. And so you know what we have? We have a lot of kind of chaos and fighting going on. And it's very important that it is clear where authority is, where authority comes from, and it's important that people respect that authority. But if we're confused about that authority, or if it's improper authority, sometimes powers come in that are not legitimate authorities that God even recognizes, and they claim authority. And there are some things that we ought to we ought to rebel against. You know, for example, you know, I you know I'm an authority in my family. If someone else, if another father, comes and tries to tell my children to do something that is against their father's authority, my kids need to understand. Hey, this guy's a father. He's an authority, but he's not my authority. I've got to listen to my dad. Same thing. Somebody else tries to tell my wife what to do. Okay, you might be an authority figure, you might be a husband, but you're not her husband. So she shouldn't listen to you. She should listen to her husband, according, according to the Bible. And so we do, we have a world and we're living in a culture and a country 
where authorities are all getting out of bounds. So we do. We've got a, we've, we do have a rebellion problem in our country, but along with that, we have an authority problem too. And God does not like that. God does not, never intended that happen. And we need to understand where authority comes from because authority should be respected and authority is something that we should easily be able to recognize. And so, you know, back in the Bible days, you know, they did, they had a method of transferring authority that was public, that people could see because it was important that people understood, uh, you know, who the authority was and whether it was legitimate or not. And in the Bible, these things, they, they did matter. These things should matter today. All of us here today are accountable to authority and we should respect it. We should submit to it. But it would help if we know where the authority comes from. If it, would, it would help if we knew you know, who was actually in authority. Because what, what would happen too? What would happen if I saw someone breaking the law and I just went, tackled them, cuffed them, took them to the police station and told whoever was there to book them? I, probably I'm going to get arrested. You know why? I have no authority to arrest anybody. I, I, have, I have no authority to do that. Nobody's given me that authority. If I go and try to pull someone over, you know, if I'm driving in my car, in, in my blue car that has regular plates, that does not have lights on it, does not have anything listed on there indicating this police, and, I, and I'm motioning somebody to pull over, and maybe they were breaking the law, and I try to give them a ticket or something, do those people have to pull over for me? Do they have to listen to what I have to say? I, no, they don't. So the thing is, isn't it, you know, it's, it's actually important that police wear badges. It's important that they have police cars that have logos and signs on them that shows, hey, this is an actual authority figure here. And that authority came from somewhere. It's, and, and we ought to respect these things. And so I want to use this message to help us understand authority structure in God, in God's institution of the church mainly is what we're going to talk about. But understand too, we have the same thing in the home and government, which God also instituted both of those things. But we're mainly going to talk about things in the church, but there are certain principles that will help us understand these things when it comes to our home and in, in our government. But authority, the doctrine of laying on of hands, it is even Jesus, even Jesus, when he was on this earth, followed these things, submitted himself to these things. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, because we do. We've got this attitude, I can do what I want. You know, I'll just do what I can, you know, ordain myself to whatever I want. You know, we've got, we've, you have self-ordained pastors that are out there or people who got an ordination from something that was not legitimate. That is not okay. I, I don't believe in that. I don't, I don't support that. But in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Now understand, high priest is a much higher office than pastor of a local church. All right? I'm just going to admit that right now. Okay? I'd like to make myself as elevated as much as I can. You know, say like Paul, I magnify my office, but at the same time, high priest outranks pastor. Can I just say that? And it's important that pastors understand that too, because can anybody tell us who the high priest is right now? Jesus. Okay, Jesus is the high priest right now. But look, look what it says. It says, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for that he himself 
also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason hereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself. Every high priest that there ever was that was recognized of God, that man did not come along and say, I want to be a high priest. That's not how that works. You don't just come along and say, I want to be a high priest. And even though, while I believe pastor is a lesser uh, authority, I, I am leery of those who, I want to be a pastor. No, you ought to want to be a servant of God in the church. And if you want to be a servant of God in a church, there probably will come a point someday in your life, if you do desire the office of a bishop, that, there, that the people in the church are probably going to want you to either be a pastor of that church or be a pastor of a church somewhere. But at the same time, a lot of people are looking for authority, but they're not looking for service. And if somebody comes along and they're just looking for authority, red flag, watch out for those people. You ought to be looking for, for an opportunity to serve. And it's okay to want that and desire that office, but at the same time, no one should get it who uh, is not serving first, and nobody should get it too, or nobody should just take that upon themselves. And so Jesus, He didn't take this honor upon Himself. No man does that. But He that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not Himself to be made an high priest, but He that said unto Him, Thou art My Son, today have I begotten Thee. As He saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So even Jesus, He did not have the right to declare Himself high priest. That position of high priest comes from God. God chooses the high priest. And so God first chose Melchizedek. And then God chose Aaron to be the high priest. And God himself, this is spelled out in the scriptures, not, he not only called for Aaron, but he called for his descendants to be high priest. And there were certain individuals within that line who God said, I don't want you, and God got rid of them. For example, you had Nadab and Abihu that God got rid of. You also had Eli and Hophni and Phinehas, and God ended up getting rid of the house of Eli and, and went with another line that was also within the line of Aaron. But God, God was able to do that. God picked the high priest. Whenever another, a son of the high priest came along and it was in that line of Aaron, the people of Israel did not have a right to say, you know what, we like this guy from the tribe of Simeon. We think he'd be a better high priest. No. Well, we like this other guy. He's a Levite. He's not a direct descendant of Aaron. We choose him. No, they didn't have the right to do that. God chose the high priest. No man ever had the right to come along and say, I want to be the high priest. And even Jesus didn't do that. God chose him to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek. God replaced the Levitical priesthood with the priesthood of Jesus Christ and He will forever be the high priest. The high, high priest was a high priest until they died. And Jesus will be the high priest until He dies and He's never dying again. So He will always be the high priest. And so having said all this, understand when the writer of Hebrews brings up this doctrine of laying on of hands, he specifically is doing this because he is showing that the man... Jesus Christ, who had lived among them not long before, who came from them in Israel, now has Jesus, has all power and all authority according to God and according to the Word of God. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 28. 
Let's get a hold of this here. We, a lot of times we just say these things, but we just we don't recognize. Because again, if I just decide, you know what, ladies and gentlemen, I just declare myself chief of police of Rock Falls. Okay, no, I don't have the right to just declare that. But who does? Who does choose these things? It's important that we understand that. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know exactly all the rules of our community, but I, I do know that our city, you know, has uh, we we have the city police. And there is a process to becoming a, a member of that police force and becoming chief of police. I don't understand all that process. I don't pay enough attention to it. But the chief of police gets his authority from the city. He, the city has made him chief of police. I don't have the right to just come along and say, no, I am. No, I got to get the city on board. I could try to run for it. I could try to work towards that if I want to. But at the end of the day, none of us in here have the authority to just declare ourselves a police officer. There is a process to getting that, and we ought to respect the process. We ought to respect these things. And so, understand, when it comes to spiritual things, when it comes to things in the church, and guess what? In reality, too, when it comes to government and the whole nine yards, you want to know the top of the food chain is on all of that? It's Jesus Christ. He's the head of all of it. Now, and it says in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them saying, watch this, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Who is the ruler of all things, ladies and gentlemen? It's Jesus Christ. They say, well, it doesn't look like he's getting in his way. You know what? It's because our world is in rebellion against Jesus Christ right now. Our government is in rebellion against Jesus Christ right now. And so, understanding Jesus has all power and authority, it also helps us understand how He is just and how He is righteous when it comes to Him pouring out His wrath. When we read the book of Revelation, we see the blood flowing. It's all just. It's all good. You know why? Because Jesus Christ has all power and authority and our world has been in rebellion against Him. And He's going to come and He's going to deal with things one of these days. And He has every right to do it because He has all power and authority. And so notice, after Jesus says, all power is given to me in heaven and earth, listen to what He says to His apostles. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So let's talk about this chain of command in the church. And so obviously, the top of the food chain is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is at the top. Ephesians 1.19 says, And was the exceeding greatness of His power to usward who believe, according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and hath put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body and fullness of Him that filleth all in all. Jesus is the head of all things. And this is why, listen, I don't even flinch when it comes to breaking laws against evangelism and stuff like that. I, I don't care. Now, obviously, I don't think it's wrong to avoid getting caught, you know, breaking laws. But let me tell you something. I have zero guilt when it comes to it. 
I have, I have no problem going in certain places where we're not really supposed to go because of the fact that all power and all principalities are under Jesus Christ and He's commissioned us to go into all the world. Again, I, I'm fine with people doing what they can to try to avoid getting caught, jail time, dying, especially in some parts of the world. I'm okay with that. But listen, if you ever go someplace where they put the death penalty on uh, you know, evangelizing, giving the gospel, and I find out you went there and you went behind the scenes and you gave somebody the gospel, let me tell you something. I'll be impressed. I'll be like, good job. You know what? Good, good for you. I, I, I'm, I'm encouraged when I see people do that kind of thing. And you know what? I'm even encouraged by people too who are like, you know what? I don't care. I'm going out and I'm going to do these things in public someplace where they might get beat up and even killed. I respect that. You know, again, if you want to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, like Paul talked about, and you, know, you want to be careful and discreet and all that, that's fine. But either way, we should never feel guilty about breaking any, breaking any of man's laws against evangelism. Because Christ's authority supersedes that, and those people who make those laws are in rebellion against God, and they're going to suffer for it one of these days. They're going to pay for that rebellion Jesus has all power and authority in the church, in the government, in this world. And so as a, right now, in our government, they're in rebellion. But that doesn't mean as a church, we have to be in rebellion. We, as a church, we can submit and say, you know what? We're going to keep doing things exactly the way God said. And so notice that when Jesus, he, uh, before he uh, went to heaven, one of the things that he did in John chapter 20 and verse 21 says, Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. This is what he said to the apostles. So the top of the food chain in the church is Jesus and then the apostles. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And right here, right here is when they went from disciples, which means a follower of Christ, and they literally were following Christ, to an apostle. An apostle means sent. And Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, Jesus was an apostle of God the Father. The apostles, they were apostles of Jesus Christ. He literally sent them into the world and all the authority all the power that he had, he said, I'm giving it to you I'm, and I'm sending you into all the world with that message. And so right here, this was a very uh, key moment. So they're not just following Christ anymore on earth. They are in charge. And did you know this, that the apostles are still in charge in the church? They're still in charge. So who are the apostles? Um, Peter, James, John, Matthew, all those, all those guys. Because, you know, we have no right to go against the writings of the apostles. That's what our New Testament is. The New Testament portion of our scriptures, that is the writings of the apostles. And you know what? What do we always say is the final authority of the church? Well, it's the Word of God. Well, yeah. And guess who God had write His Word? The apostles and the prophets. And no church has the right to go against this book. So I do believe in apostolic authority. I just believe in the original apostles, not like the Apostle Geno Jennings and you know these new apostles that are coming up all the time. 
I don't believe in that. And te- if we want to get technical, a church can have an apostle because it just means sent. Technically, a missionary is an apostle. If we send someone to another country to evangelize, we, we sent them. Technically, they're an apostle of Liberty Baptist Church. Apostle of Jesus Christ trumps that. Okay, but we're not, we don't use that word. We don't want to confuse people. But apostle just, it just means sent. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. And so notice this equality with the prophets as well. And think about this. Much of the writings of the apostles were them expounding on the writings of the prophets. So we have no right when it comes to salvation to go against even what the prophets said. Because did you know that Paul in the book of Romans, remember when we went through the book of Romans, Paul's constantly quoting the Old Testament. You know why? Because those scriptures were authoritative. The prophets and the apostles, their writings are our authority. No church has the right to overrule the Word of God. Just like in our country, no politician has the right to overthrow the Constitution. They don't have the right to do, to do that kind of thing. And we definitely have no right to overthrow and overrule the Word of God. And it was the apostles. The apostles were the ones who established the churches. So whenever there's doctrinal disputes, whenever doctrinal disputes came up originally, the churches didn't get to decide what was true. The apostles did. The apostles determine doctrine, not churches. Okay, can you all get a hold of this here for a minute? The apostles determine doctrine, not churches. And that's important too because we have the Catholic Church that often determines doctrine. They will often determine you know, what is dogma and what is actual fact? And, you know, they always, people always go to the church. No, we go to the apostles right here. Now, before they had their writings, what did they do? They literally went to the apostles. Acts 15, verse 1, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain other of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. So, understand, while one church doesn't have the authority today or to, to decide another church's doctrine, okay? our church doesn't have, we don't have the authority to go tell the church next door what their doctrine is. You understand that? We can't, if we go over there, it's like, listen, we found out about something in your doctrinal statement that is different than ours. We're here today to change it. They're probably going to laugh us out of the building, okay, for, uh, for doing that, just as we would if they tried doing that to us. Okay, but understand though, when a church gets off in their doctrine, they will be held accountable to God for it. Every individual church will be held accountable to God for what they did with their doctrine. And this is why, too, we don't, we don't let other, even Baptist churches, push us around when it comes to doctrine. Often disputes come up. Often questions come up. When they do, what do we do? Do we go to the Archbishop of Baptist churches? 
Do we go to the Baptist Pope? No, we don't have those. You know what we do? We go to the apostles. We have a responsibility as a church to go to the Word. What did the apostles say about these things? And we need to get it right. And when we don't get it right, we are in trouble as a church. And aren't you glad too that we are not accountable for another church's doctrine? Because a lot of man, there's a lot of churches out there preaching bad stuff. But you know what? That's not our problem. That's we don't have any authority there. And so uh, again, they're they're in rebellion against God if their doctrine's wrong. But they will give an account for that. And so just like we're glad we're not accountable for what other families are doing. If I don't like what another, other people's kids are doing, another person's wife is doing, it's not my job to fix it. I don't have authority in someone else's home. I only have authority in my home. And as long as I'm doing things right in my home, you know, then, then everything's good in my world. And it's the same thing too in church. We can't help what all the other churches are doing. We have no authority there. But even us as Liberty Baptist Church, we don't have the authority to just decide something that goes contrary to the Scriptures. And you say, and it doesn't mean we don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean we might not have faults. But we will be held accountable for those things. God gave us His Word. He preserved His Word for us. And one of these days, uh, he's, we're going he's gonna, to uh, give an account for what we did with it. So, that's why it's very foolish for local churches to get intimidated by other churches and other pastors. They're not going to stand before them on Judgment Day. I'm not standing before any other pastor on Judgment Day. I'm going to stand before Jesus Christ. And so we need to make sure uh, we are following His Word and the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so churches, they only have the authority to transfer authority that was given to them by the apostles. They don't get to make new apostles. Okay? Churches don't make new apostles. And in Ephesians 4.11 it says, and he gave some apostles, talking about Jesus, Jesus gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature and fullness of Christ. And so one of our Baptist distinctives that we believe in are the two offices of pastor and deacon. Now, there are some people that believe that evangelist is an office. I don't believe that that's an office. I believe it's just a work. You know, the reality is we've got a lot of evangelists in this church. And some people, they'll use that term. Uh, but at the end of the day, Baptists historically have believed in the two offices of pastor and deacon. And I believe evangelism is just a specific work. But because, again, teacher is also mentioned. Teachers have never really been considered an office. But you can have a lot of teachers in a church, and God gives those. But the church has the authority to pass on authority that it has. Okay? Now, make sure you all understand this. Okay? Make sure you're following me here. You need to know this. Okay? Tommy McMurtry. Okay? Tommy McMurtry, I do not believe, has the authority to just go around ordaining whoever he wants or even baptizing people. I don't believe that. I believe the church has the authority. I believe Liberty Baptist Church has the authority. I am just an officer of that church. I do these things on behalf of the church. I do these things with the authority of, of the church. So I, I'm not a king. I am not the source of authority. The church is the source of authority. And so the authority of the pastor, though, 
So what about pastoral authority? I do believe in pastoral authority, but remember, authority comes from somewhere. And authority, that pastoral authority, that's something that the church gives him. And as a member of a congregation, we ought to submit to that authority. Okay, so the, once authority is given, okay, if you put someone in charge of something, you ought to let them be in charge of it. Okay, that's why, so I'm the authority in my home, but you know what? I don't say a whole lot about, you know, how the dishes need to be cleaned and how the laundry is going to be done. You know, I've put my wife in charge of that. So I let her be in charge of that. Again, so I'm going to let her do it and I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm not going to mess with it. Because one, I don't want to do anything with it. <laughs> but but either way, it's the same thing in a church. If you put somebody in charge of something, let them be in charge of it. You know, let them do it and, and submit. And the Bible says in First Timothy or First Peter five one says the elders which are among you I exhort who also am an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint but willingly, not for filthy lucre but of a ready mind. Okay, a pastor shouldn't be forced into being a pastor. He, he ought to want to do it. He ought to be doing it willingly. He ought to be doing it for the right reasons. He shouldn't be doing it for the money. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. It's not about being boss. It's not about being in charge. It's not about so you can do everything your way. And let me tell you something. A lot of people, the reason they want to be a pastor so bad is just so that everything can be in their way. And it's like... And, why do these little things bother you so much? A lot of times it's because they have a rebellion problem. They have a problem submitting to authority, so they just want to be in charge of everything. That's a bad sign. You, a church should never put someone in authority who has not proven that they can submit to authority. Just under, understand that you have a, a good leader is somebody who is a good follower. You do not want, we should never put somebody in there who is, but at the end of the day, I show you all this to just show that there is, there is a chain of authority. And when authority is abused or when they overstep their authority, it should, they should be dealt with. It says in first Timothy, and I'm amazed people who have no accountability. And there's a lot of pastors out there who have no accountability and it's painful to listen to them expound on this passage. But it's, if we just know the English language, it's pretty easy to figure out what this passage is saying. It says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and, and doctrine. And you know, again, while a pastor isn't equal, but you're giving him authority and you're choosing to submit to that authority, you ought to recognize the importance of that office and how it is a very important thing and you ought to respect it. You ought to give it double honor. And you say, well, you know, the, the pastor, you know, he's he's no better than anybody else. No, maybe if you treated him that way, maybe he would be better. And so always, always remember, the, it's, it's about the office. Respect the office. Even when it comes to political things. I believe we ought to respect the office even if we don't have that much respect for the individual. It says, For the Scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. Against an elder, receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And this doesn't mean you have to have two or three witnesses witnessing him do a bad thing. Okay? If you witness me, you know, coming out of a bar staggering drunk, you know, you should say something to the church, but before two or three witnesses. 
What you shouldn't do is like, oh man, I'm the only witness. I guess can't do anything about it because we've got to have two or three witnesses. No, that's not how that works. Okay, no. You, and, and so if, or if somebody comes to you, if Brother West sees me drunk in the bar, and then he goes and he's, tells, he's telling Brother Chris, he's like, you know, what, you know what I saw Pastor Tommy doing? Brother Chris, I say, hey, listen, if this is an accusation against the pastor, let's get some witnesses. And then you get the witnesses to hear what he has to say. And then you ought, and you ought to listen. That, that's what that means. Okay? It doesn't mean you had to have two or three people. And so then if those three witnesses hear what Brother West has to say about me being drunk, they should say, well, are there any other witnesses? You know, because the Bible says two or th- No, that's not what that means. It's just we ought to take accusations against leadership very seriously. And people shouldn't just be going around spreading stuff. That's wrong. You get the two or three witnesses. And you know what? That'd be a good principle to follow just with everybody. You see anybody in the church doing something? If we did that, it'd stop a lot of gossip. Because then if you are gossiping to somebody, we got two or three witnesses that you are gossiping. So just, you know, I I think we ought to just practice that with everybody. If you're going to go accusing somebody in the church of something, before you accuse them to someone, get two or three witnesses. That way, if it's true, you know, what you're saying, we could deal with it. But then if you're gossiping, we got witnesses. We got the goods on you when they for being a gossip. But anyway, so it goes on to say, them that sin. This is referring to the elders that sin. Rebuke before all that others also may fear. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that thou observe these things without preferring one before another, doing nothing by partiality. And some people say, no, that's the accusers. Those are the ones. No, this is about the pastor. The context is, this is about the pastor, this is about the elder, and you know what? If I do something that would get somebody thrown out of the church, we shouldn't throw one person out of the church for it and then not throw the pastor out of the church for it. That's partiality right there. And that, that's wrong. And while his office is important and it's serious, we have a way of handling it. There's a process to handling it. But if a pastor sins, they ought to be rebuked before all. It ought to be, it ought to be publicly rebuked and proved too that this is, again, all of this is in context of the pastor. The them that sin is referring to the pastors, the elders. It goes on to say, lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins, keep thyself pure. There's that laying on of hands again. We don't want to just go giving that authority to whoever. We're not, that's why the bishops, they must first be proved. Let them first be proved. Why? Because the authority of a church is a precious thing. It is an important thing. And we shouldn't be giving it to people who are immoral. We shouldn't be giving it to people that are bad Christians. They can do a lot of damage with that. They can cause a lot of hurt for the churches. Uh, I just talked to a pastor this week. Uh, it's going to be on, on a podcast on Tuesday. And he was talking about just some of the damage that some Baptist preachers have done where he is at because of wicked sins that they've done. They've hurt the name Baptist greatly where he's at. It just kind of has a negative... It's a negative name we're at because some pastors were perverts. And I've even here in the States, I, I, know, I know of a church where they have really struggled getting things back going because the guy who was pastoring that church turned out to be a sodomite and everybody in town knew about it and they've got a new pastor there now. They got rid of him. They did the right thing. They've got a godly man there now. But everybody still remembers that church that had the pastor that was a sodomite in it. And it really hurt the name. And so 
when we do, when we put, when we give authority to wicked men, and, and it can happen. Sometimes we mess up. Sometimes people put one over on us. Okay? And that's why a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer, a lot of proving ought to go into somebody getting ordained because it is a, it is a bad thing when you put the wrong guy in charge. We gotta be careful who we give authority to. Do we really want to give, like when it comes to police, don't you want to check up on these people a little bit? Make sure we're not putting a mental case, giving a mental case a badge? You know, because I don't know about you, I don't want to just get beat up and shot for no reason. But you know, you put a nut job in and give them a badge, and you know, we put them in, we put them in the White House these days, and you know, we put them, you know, we put them in the governor's mansions and things like that. And it's dangerous when that happens. But you know, it is, it's a red flag when someone's just desperate for authority. Uh, Acts 8.15 says, who when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. And what did Peter call him out for that? He rebuked him for that. Thinking you could buy that with money? Really? That, I mean, that, that's right too. He just wanted authority. That is a red flag. People who come in just looking for authority, they're probably bad news. They're probably not going to stay around. They're probably not somebody that we should ever lay hands on and ordain. We want servants. We want people who serve, who have proven themselves faithful, proven themselves to be godly. Those are the people that we want to lay hands on. And, the, and I'm telling you, when we don't follow this process, when, you know, it, causes a lot, it causes a lot of problems. Think about how many false churches, how many false religions, how many cults have been started by people. They weren't sent out by a church. It was just some dude declared himself some kind of authority. We've got them all over the Internet. Just people who've got a, you know, they've built a platform on the Internet. No church has ever ordained them. No pastors ever laid hands on them. But they've just declared themselves an authority when it comes to certain doctrines, and they've got all kinds of followers, and they're leading they're leading them astray. They say, well, what you know, what happens if you know some guy's got right doctrine, but he doesn't have proper authority? Okay? And that happens too. But understand, someone who will not respect the authority, the the lower authorities, is not going to expect the higher authorities either. Do you understand that? And this is why, too, this was advice I was given growing up about uh, when you're looking for a wife, is a girl who won't respect the authority of her father will not respect the authority of her husband. So just that, that's just a principle. People who do not respect the lower authorities are not going to respect the higher authorities. A kid who will not behave in school and listen to the teachers, he's not going to behave in the workplace later either. People who don't know how to follow authority... They carry that everywhere. So it's easy for someone to come along and have right doctrine, go into a church like this and to have good doctrine. But if they go and to say, you know what, I'm going to go against the authority of that church, it's only a matter of time and they're going to go against the authority of the Word of God as well. And, I, and so it, and it, it, always, it always ends up manifesting itself. When something is... Because it's, it's almost like a birth where somebody's they're like missing some chromosomes you know it's just like it's going to result in a birth defects and 
They always end up turning into weird religions, weird cults, having weird teachings. And I'm telling you, authority is an important thing. And I don't, I'm not a Baptist writer. I don't know how to trace my ordination back to Jesus Christ. I'm not even going to try. But you know what I can do? I can tell you who laid hands on me. I can tell you who laid hands on me. I can tell you the church that I was sent out of. And I can even tell you who laid hands on who laid hands on me. And I can even tell you the church that sent out the church that I was sent out of. Okay? That's about as far back as I can go. But at the same time, there's people out there, they can't tell you who laid hands on them. You know why? Because nobody did. And that those people don't respect authority and give it time. They'll be doing preaching all kinds of weirdness, doing all kinds of weird stuff. Whatever they beget is going to have bigger birth defects than they do. Because they they did not follow the proper chain of command. And these things, they, they really do matter. We need to respect the authority that God has given. And that doctrine is in our Bible for a reason. And ultimately, I believe the writer of Hebrews brought it up because it's showing the Hebrews who were very big on authority. Because remember how when Jesus was doing miracles, by what authority? That was what they would always ask. By what authority are you doing these things? That mattered to them. So the writer of Hebrews is just letting them know, hey, I'm here today to tell you, follow Jesus. Let me show you where Jesus got his authority. And he did. He got it directly from God. All authority belongs to Jesus Christ. And we need to recognize where that we ought to be able to trace all authority back to Jesus Christ. And if we would do that, it would help us a lot. When the laws of our land go against the authority of the Word of God, we know we don't have to follow that. We obey God rather than man. But when they are remaining within the authority that God give, gave them, then we submit as we submit to the Lord. And so these things matter. The work of the church, it is the most important work there is, and we ought to take these things seriously. Individuals have no right to just do whatever they feel like doing. Let's have some respect. Let's have some reverence for these things. And we don't want to, you know, we don't want to contribute to the mockery that's being made in churches today. I don't want to be the guy, like, I don't know, didn't he, I don't know if anybody ever laid hands on Benny Hinn, Stephen Furtick, Joyce Meyer, you know, I, but boy, wouldn't you hate to be the guy that did lay hands on them? You know, that, that, I don't want that. I don't want that. And it, it's okay to ask, where did your authority come from? It's okay when you go to a church. Hey, who ordained you? Who sent you out? It's okay, it's okay to do these things because it'll, it will tell us a lot. And one will tell us, were they willing to submit to authority? Uh, I, I, you have these guys out there, I, it's like they never learned anything from anybody. You know, and it's just like, everybody learns something from somebody. But it's like, it just shows that just rebellious spirit. Authority matters. And so, with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. The, thank you for the examples that we have in there. And I pray, Lord, you'll help all of us to uh, just have a reverence and respect uh, for authority structure as outlined in your word. Lord, we live in a very rebellious society that does not care about these things. Uh, but Lord, I pray you help us as Christians uh, to follow these things in our personal lives. But Lord, especially too, uh, when it comes to your work, I pray we'll, uh, we'll honor these things and you'll help us do great things for you. In your name we pray. Amen.